Good morning. Oh, good evening. That's my second time doing that. Uh, but it's such a pleasure to see so many that has decided to come out here on this evening. Um, I got a chance to speak with a few of you, but if I did not get that chance, then hopefully we'll have that time after services. Uh, I am a fairly new face, not just here in the Oak Mountain area, but also in the Alabama area. I'm originally from Tampa, Florida, uh, and I worship with a congregation over at the university. Um, but I recently expressed interest in becoming uh, a gospel preacher. And the brethren have been really uh, helpful uh, on my journey. And I'm working with the congregation over at Pine Lane. I've been there probably, I think, since August. Uh, and it's just a five-month internship, but I appreciate Brother David Deason and the elders there. And I also appreciate Brother Bob Hutto and him allowing me to come and speak with you all here tonight. Um, if you want to turn in your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Judges. We're going to, be in, we're going to start in the book of Judges. Um, and we're going to look at a character in the Bible uh, that I really come, come to love the more and more I read it. Now, I don't really like to use that word character uh, because often that would entail, well, people they kind of think that, well, a character means someone that is in a story. Therefore, that story is, is, is fiction. Well, many, if not all of us, understand that the Bible is not fiction. It is nonfiction. The people that are in the Bible are nonfiction. They are real, and these are all real life events. And the character, the individual that we are going to be talking about tonight is an individual by the name of Ruth. So for the majority of the night, we're going to be in the book of Ruth, but before we get there, I want to um, start by reading in the book of Judges. And I do that because Ruth is born around this time period. It would be around 1000 BC. Uh, we're going to be in Judges chapter 2, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 10. And Ruth is a short book on love, and it barely mentions God, but it shows God's providence in the life of Naomi through Boaz and Ruth. And Ruth, she'll come to live among her people in a pretty rough time period. That is the period of the Judges. So beginning in Judges chapter 2, beginning in verse 10, it says, And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them that knew not Jehovah, nor yet the work which he had wrought for Israel. And the children of Israel did that which was evil in the sight of Jehovah, and served Balaam. And they forsook Jehovah, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods, of the gods of the people that were round about them, and they bowed themselves down unto them. And they provoked Jehovah to anger, and they forsook Jehovah, and served Baal and the Ashtaroth. And the anger of Jehovah was kindled against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of spoilers that despoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about, so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. And there's an overall theme. You'd have to turn to these uh, passages, but there's an overall theme in the book of Judges. And I'll go ahead and uh, uh, say that for you. In Judges chapter 17, uh, in verse 6, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. In the next chapter over, in chapter 18, it says the same thing. In those days there was no king 
in Israel. In chapter 19, and it came to pass in those days when there was no king in Israel. And again in chapter 21, verse 25, in those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Now when the Bible says something more than once, that specific passage or verse doesn't mean that it's more important than the rest because we know that all scripture is inspired by God and it is profitable. But when the Bible says something more than once and that is just to highlight, uh, just for us to highlight uh, what is being read. And not once, not twice, not even three times, but four times is that word, there being no king in Israel is used. No one to lead the children of Israel as Joshua or Moses or even a select few of the judges would have done to point them to who God is, who is truly the king of kings. So for the most part, we'll see that the children of Israel, they're erring, and there seems to be no hope that someone would stop this pattern of sin that seems to have this dominion over the people of God. This is the time period that our beloved Ruth is living in. So if you want to go ahead and turn to the book over, we'll be reading from the book of Ruth. I'm going to begin in chapter 1, verse 1. And it's a pretty lengthy reading, but I would like to read that whole chapter uh, to pretty much get the backdrop, the background of what's going on. Ruth chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. And the main point I want us to get across is that Ruth shows us that we can leave our old life behind to press on to reach forward to a new and a better life. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Now it came about in the days when the judges governed that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem and Judah. Now they entered the land of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They took for themselves Moabite women as wives. And the name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth, and they lived there about ten years. Then both Malon and Chilion also died, and the woman was bereft of her two children and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the land of Moab, for she had heard in the land of Moab that the Lord had visited his people in giving them food. So she departed from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant you that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. And she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, but we will surely return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my room that they may be your husbands? Return, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I said I have hope, if I should even have a husband tonight and also bear sons, would you therefore wait until they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is harder for me than for you. For the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. 
here moving forward, we'll see Ruth's loyalty. Picking up in verse 14, it says, And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Then she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. The famous words of Ruth is in verse 16 and 17. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So they both went until they came to Bethlehem, and when they had come to Bethlehem, all the city was stirred because of them. And the woman said, Is this Naomi? So she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has witnessed against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? Verse 22, so Naomi returned, and with her Ruth the Moabitess her daughter-in-law, who returned from the land of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. So there you have it. It's pretty much, it's a lengthy reading, but that's pretty much 20, 25% of the book itself. Um, but the first point I want us to realize, and these points that I'm making, it can be to the point to where we can um, relate to Ruth in some type of way. Uh, the first point I want us to realize is that your background doesn't determine your future. And the book of Ruth, it doesn't really reveal any character flaws uh, specifically on her actions, but we can see that some things might be a problem for others just by where someone comes from. Ruth is originally from the land of Moab, as we have read. The father of the Moabites were introduced in Genesis chapter 19, verses 34 to 37. We'll see after getting their father intoxicated, the daughters of Lot would then have relations with them. Then afterwards, the firstborn would then give birth to Moab. Later on, the Moabites were going to be known partly for their worship of idols, namely one being the god Chemosh. Not only would their polytheistic tendencies be a problem for Israel, but their encounters weren't always the best. We'll see in Numbers 22, the attempted cursing from the Moabites. A man by the name of Balak, who would be king of Moab, would try to convince Balaam, a prophet, to curse the Israelites. And because of that, the Moabites weren't even allowed to enter into the congregation of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 23, beginning in verse 3, will say, An Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever. Even to their tenth generation shall they not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever, because they met you not with bread and with water in the way when ye came forth out of Egypt, and because they hired against thee Balaam, the son of Beor, of Pethor, of Mesopotamia, to curse thee. God says, Nevertheless, the Lord thy God will not hearken unto Balaam, but the Lord thy God turned the curse into a blessing unto thee, because the Lord thy God loved thee. Verse 6, thou shalt not seek their peace, nor their prosperity all thy days forever. And that's just one encounter. Another encounter will be in Judges chapter 3, 
in verse 12, we'll meet a man by the name of Eglon, king of Moab. In uh, verse 12, in Judges chapter 3, it will say, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. Again, carrying on that theme of there being no king in Israel. And it says, And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek, and went and smote Israel. And possessed the city of palm trees. Verse 14. So the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. So we see that the relationship between the Moabites and the Israelites, it's not the best. It's not good at all, actually. And Ruth, well, she's a Moabite. And being a Moabite, she plans on dwelling among the Israelites. And when it refers to Ruth in the Bible, it's mostly Ruth the Moabitess, not just Ruth, but Ruth the Moabitess. And throughout the Bible, people would be introduced or they were mentioned by their name, followed by their title, uh, their trade or title. Uh, for some people, uh, we know people like Jesus the Christ. Well, that is a good follow-up name. The Christ means the anointed one. Uh, John the Baptist, he was baptizing people. Peter the apostle, messenger of God. These are all good follow-up names. But to the Israelites, at first glance, consider names like Rahab, the harlot, prostitute, Simon, the sorcerer, sorcerer, magician, Ruth, the Moabitess. And if we don't know anything about these individuals, their title alone brings concern, a concern especially to the Israelites. And if Ruth is known by many as Ruth, the Moabitess, well, people are already getting uh, people are already judging her without even getting to know her. At the end of the chapter, we'll see that Naomi returns, and it says in verse 22, So Naomi returned, and with her Ruth, the Moabitess. The Israelites, well, they recognized Naomi. They said, well, is this Naomi? So they recognized Naomi. But who is with Naomi? Ruth, the Moabitess. So just imagine what the Israelites could have been thinking at this time once they figured out who Ruth was. But nevertheless, Ruth didn't let that stop her. She's aware of where she has come from, but she is determined to move forward to a new future and a new life. And we see in verse 16, the famous, famous words of Ruth, it says, But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. So one thing we can really consider here is that we don't need to put too much focus on where we have come from, but where we are going. And I would ask us even tonight, to consider how we are treating others. You know, visitors may come in, one may come in for the first time or even the 50th time. They may or may not be a New Testament Christian, and they're hopefully looking for a place to worship. I would ask, do we seek to make them feel welcome, or do we give off a negative impression just because they came from a different or a rough background? Ruth shows us Nevertheless, that our background doesn't determine our future. Darren Hardy has a quote that will say, Our background and circumstances may have influenced who we are, but we are responsible for who we become. A couple of characteristics of Ruth that we can pretty much take home and apply to our daily lives is Ruth was brave. 
Knowing her background, she, she still would be brave enough to leave her old life behind, to go to a country that probably would have looked down on her and treated her differently just because of her background. Being brave means you are ready to face and endure danger or pain. It's an act or show of courage, and Ruth was brave. Back in verse 7, we see the two sisters, Orpah and Ruth, well, they're both with their mother-in-law, but that won't always be the case. Back in verse 7 of Ruth chapter 1, it will say, So she departed from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the, way, on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant you that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And we'll see that they both resist at first, but that won't always be the case. We'll see in verse 14, it says, And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. It takes bravery to leave behind everything you know your blood relatives, your home, your people, even the gods that you may have served in your old life. Ruth, once again, was brave. In verse 16 and 17, the famous words, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. And it's one thing to say something, but we will see through the end of the chapter that Ruth is true to her word of leaving her country and following her mother-in-law to be with her people and to serve her God. I will ask us, well, have we ever been to a place that was unfamiliar to us? You know, not just a vacation where we go for a week or two or even a month, but we completely get out of Dodge and we move to a whole different place. What may have been scary at first, New school for the kids, new job perhaps for you, a new dwelling place. When you move somewhere, you are not only letting yourself experience a different type of scenery, but you also open up yourself to all the dangerous possibilities that come with the move. It takes bravery. Ruth was brave enough to leave her old life behind even after her sister turned back. She was brave enough to keep pressing on even, being even after being persuaded not to. Now, I would say that we need to be like Ruth. From a Christian standpoint, we need to be brave enough to leave our sinful lifestyle behind, even if our friends and family persuade us to stay, even if our friends and family don't want to go with us. We need to take the lead in following Jesus. As someone who came to the faith on their own, I, completely understand that it needs, uh, bravery is needed. It's a bravery and determination to choose the right path, even if no one wants to go with you. Bravery and determination pushes us to new possibilities. But for us to reach those possibilities, we need to be humble. It's another characteristic of Ruth. She was humble. And being humble is often misunderstood as being weak or, uh, low, or having a low self-esteem. But however, being humble or having humility is literally just to think of others more than yourself. Ruth sought first and foremost to serve and support her mother-in-law, which she did with great humility. 
As she enters the city in chapter 2 uh, with her mother-in-law, Ruth and Naomi, well, they need food. And according to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9, it says, well, Now when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. Nor shall you glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather the fallen fruit of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the needy and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God. For someone to glean from a man's field, they would have needed to either be a foreigner or to be in need. And we see that Ruth was both of those things. Nevertheless, in chapter 2, uh, she would pretty much ask her mother before she goes out and does those things. She did not set out brazenly to feed herself, but once again, she would seek permission from Naomi. In verse 2 of chapter 2, it says, And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Please, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after one whose sight I might find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Ruth went without expectation of a handout, but rather a heart of submission to those in authority and a strong worth ethic, and this did not go unnoticed. And I would say that many today are under the impression that the world owes them something, that things need to be handed down to them on a silver platter. But when I say that, we need to humble ourselves and be like Ruth, to have a heart of submission to those that are in authority over us. And I will also add that Ruth was humble enough to rely and ask someone for help, and this is a problem that even I have to uh, deal with, and I have to remember to ask. And it takes humility. That can be sometimes hard for all of us, even today, to rely and ask others for help when we know we need it. When someone offers to help us with a certain situation, we don't need to let our pride get in the way. We may even get to the point where we lie and tell them that we don't need any help, when that's just not true. Once again, I've been in that situation many times, and that is something I need to remember, to not let my pride get in the way of someone trying to help me. And there may be times where we pray to God for a certain situation to be handled, and we continue to pray and pray, and we're looking to God to help us when the help is right in front of us. But our pride can block us from reality. I'll say that we must be humble enough to rely on others in times of need. And I would say don't block someone from blessing you when you really need it, because that may be their way of service to God. If we allow ourselves to have humility, uh, humility, then that also opens up an opportunity to be obedient. Ruth, another characteristic, was that she was obedient. The field that Ruth would glean in was the field of Boaz, we'll read in chapter 2. Ruth would go to glean in Boaz's field, and as Boaz seen her and understood who she was, he says this in verse 8, Ruth chapter 2, it says, Then Boaz said to Ruth, Listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go from this one, but stay here with my maids. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and go after them. Indeed, I have commanded the servants not to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants drew. Ruth was not only humble enough to rely on someone else for help, but she would obey the instructions to stay in his field. Now, imagine if Ruth was uh, not really sure on what age she was, but she probably was an adult. 
and someone's telling her to do something, well, she's obedient and she's doing that. Um, and it turns out, you know, to be for her good. Because there's no telling what would have happened if she happened to go to someone else's field. Again, we're living in a time, well, she was living in a time or the period of the judges. So she could have very well stumbled upon someone that would have treated her uh, bad. And that was likely to happen once again. So God has given us instruction to be successful in our walk with him. He has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And if we so choose to follow his instructions in life, then we can be successful in our Christian walk. But if we ever so choose to go our own way and, God, and not God's way, then our end will be unpleasant. We have to be obedient. Proverbs chapter 14, verses 12, it says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So let us all remember that to be obedient. And looking at the continuance of Ruth's obedience in chapter 3, picking up in verse 1, it will say, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? Now is not Boaz our kinsman, with whose maids you were? Behold, he winnows barley at the threshing floor tonight. Wash yourself therefore and anoint yourself and put on your best clothes and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Verse 4, it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies. And you shall go and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will tell you what you shall do. Verse 5, she said to her, all that you say, I will do. So as we see, Ruth is obeying the words of her mother-in-law to go to Boaz. She asks, in verse 9, she would ask Boaz to marry her, essentially. And in verse 11, this is Boaz's response. He says, now my daughter, do not fear. I will do whatever you ask, for all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. New King James Version will say, you are a virtuous woman. And that's another characteristic, that Ruth was virtuous. Obedience to good instruction can bring success. That is the successful path of the virtuous. Virtue, uh, having virtue means you, you, you have or show a high moral standard. The way Ruth would have carried herself was of moral excellence. She was hardworking. She looks after others like her mother-in-law. She wouldn't seek after passions of lust from the rich or poor just because men were in their youth. She's strong, she's brave, and she's humble. And because she was virtuous, Boaz was willing to marry her. If you want to go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 31, a virtuous woman will be described over there, Proverbs chapter 31. I'm going to read a couple of, couple of verses there. I'm going to begin in verse number 10. Proverbs 31, beginning in verse 10, it says, An excellent woman, who can find? For her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her. And he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She is like merchant ships 
She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it from her earnings. She plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor and she stretches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. Strength and dignity are her clothing. And she smiles at the future. Now, when a question comes up in life for man, well, what do you look for in a woman? You know, we all have our preferences, but I would say that the answer should be a virtuous woman. Because the text says a virtuous woman does him good and not evil all the days of her life. And I will also add that being virtuous is not only something a woman of God should strive to be, but men also need to have virtue. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 will say, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 2, again in the New King James Version, it will say, Grace and peace be multiplied to you, in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises. Skip down to verse 5, but it will say, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. We all need to strive to add virtue to our faith. I would ask, well, do the people here at Oak Mountain, uh, well, the people in the city, do they know Oak Mountain to be a virtuous people? A people that strive after what's good and what's right? Well, the city of Bethlehem knew that Ruth was. Again, in verse 11, in Ruth chapter 3, Now my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask. For all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. You are a virtuous woman. The virtuous shall prosper. Prosper in wanting to get better. To do the right and moral thing. That is why Ruth wanted to be redeemed. She would have expressed a desire to be redeemed. In the beginning of the lesson, Ruth made a bold statement to Naomi. She said to her mother-in-law that Naomi's people would be her people, and Naomi's God would be her God. But little did she know that she would come to know the one true living God, Jehovah God, the Redeemer of his people. Ruth would express interest in marrying Boaz. She wanted to be redeemed from a poor, widowed position. She was brave to leave her old life behind, in humble obedience and submission, she did all that was commanded of her by both her mother-in-law and Boaz for all this to take place. 
And as a virtuous woman, in the end, Ruth the Moabitess was redeemed. Through God's providence, Boaz was able to marry and to restore Ruth. And later on in the chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 17, Ruth, uh, Ruth would have a son by the name of Obed. Verse 17, the neighbor woman gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi, so they named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. And yes, that is the same David that through his lineage, he would bring about Jesus Christ 28 generations later. Ruth could have given up and failed to bring about the son of promise through her bearings because of a flawed heritage. She could have turned around like her sister and stayed back in the land of Moab. But she decided to leave her old life behind and be redeemed. And that is God's ultimate plan of salvation to bring the foreigner in the fold. All who have a desire for redemption can be redeemed. For those of you that weren't raised in the church, if you were generally a good person but you haven't obeyed the gospel, truth is you are an enemy of God. For those of you that weren't raised in the church and was considered not a good person by your conduct, like I was in my past, if you haven't obeyed the gospel, you are an enemy of God. And here's the funny but sobering statement. Even if you were raised in the church, taught how to worship, why Christians ought to worship and serve, but you haven't obeyed the gospel call, although your parents, your guardians, your family, your friends showed you the way, if you haven't obeyed the gospel, even you are an enemy of God. And here's how he brings us all together, because no matter how good or bad we think we are, we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And God's hand is not too short that he cannot save you. And his ear is not too heavy that he cannot hear. But Isaiah would say that your sins have separated between you and your God to the point that he will turn his face from you. But God can turn around. He can make you what you ought to be, what he created and designed you to be. He created you and I to be good, to be sons of God and not just his creation. But we have to do something on our part. You can rise above your circumstances. And yes, you and I, we are flawed in many, many ways. But we don't have to give up on seeking a better life. That life is only found through Jesus Christ. We can only have a better life through him. Just like Ruth was the redeemed, God can redeem us and add us to his family. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Repent of your wrongdoings and confess him as Lord and Savior. You're willing to go down, down, down in the water grave of baptism for the remission of your sins and continue to keep the faith even until the end. Revelation chapter 2 and the latter part of verse 10 will say, you shall receive a crown of life. And if you have obeyed the gospel call and if you find yourself wavering back into that old sinful lifestyle and you need the prayers of the church or you need to talk with one of us, then whatever your need may be, let us help you with that. As you come to the front, as all together stand and sing the song of invitation. <laughs>